You're listening to Builder Funnel Radio. This is the Building a Family Business Show with Wes and Brooks Powell. Let's dive in. The Powell family construction business has been around for over 110 years. Over that time, it's evolved and been through four generations of the Powell family. What started as a new construction business building spec homes in the Seattle area evolved to building communities, remodeling, building custom homes, and then getting involved with property management. Today, the business currently owns and operates two retirement and assisted living facilities, several apartment buildings, and does third-party property management in the Seattle area with about 750 total doors under management. Over the last several decades, Wes and Brooks have seen it all when it comes to business evolution, family dynamics in the construction industry. This is the show where I work to extract their knowledge and experiences to help you navigate family dynamics, among other things, in your construction business. Let's dive into the show. Hey guys, before we get into today's episode, I wanted to talk to you about BuildBook, who in addition to sponsoring this episode, they've developed a program to help all of you during this extremely difficult time. If you don't know what they do, they offer a tool that funnels all the conversations and decisions that occur between you, your team, and your client before, during, and after projects into one place and made it dead simple to use. They've taken something that is chaotic for most of you, like staying on top of all the messages you're getting over text, phone calls, job site conversations, you name it, and brought it into one channel that's simple for anyone on your team to use. Look, I don't need to tell you guys this, but good, clear communication with your clients and team is more critical now than it has ever been. BuildBook knows how important this is for you as well, but also knows the strain this crisis is having on your business. So they're offering their software to you for free. Yes, you heard that correctly. To help you get through this unprecedented time, BuildBook has put together a program to provide you with some free resources, including their software. It's an amazing opportunity that I strongly encourage you to take advantage of. So hit pause right now and text BUILDBOOK to 33777. That's one word, BUILDBOOK. They'll immediately send you a link that brings you directly to the page to sign up. There are no strings attached. It's just their way of doing what they can to support your business. So go ahead and hit pause and text BUILDBOOK, one word, to 33777 to get your free account. All right, let's dive into today's show. Hey guys, welcome back to Builder Funnel Radio. This is episode eight of Building a Family Business with Wes and Brooke. And today's conversation is all about growth. And it's not just what you think of. A lot of times we think of growth as top line revenue, got to grow revenue. And that's the only thing that matters. But we talk about several areas of growth, how you can implement those for your business and why growth is a good thing. Uh, Also, why it's a bad thing. So stay tuned for today's conversation on growth with Weston Brooks here on Builder Funnel Radio. Hey, guys, welcome back to building a family business here on Builder Funnel Radio. This is episode eight, and we are going to be talking about growth today. But Weston Brooks, before we get into that, what are you guys reading, Brooks? You got anything interesting going well, on? Well, actually, I'm, I'm kind of riding on my wife's coattails this week, and uh, she is listening on Audible to a book called Enlightenment Now by Steven Pinker, and it's the case for science, humanism, and progress, and it's I think it's like a 14-hour long book, and so she's been giving me updates daily at lunch, and it's really about how we're living in a better time now than ever. So it's, it's, it's a book about 
you know, yeah, things may not be so great. You know, we may not think they're so great, but let's try to keep it in perspective. So it's a good, it's a good read so far from so what far, I've heard. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah from your lunch, <laughs> lunch meetings. <laughs> my lunch meetings where I get the, the cliff notes. So yeah. it's my claim. Yeah. Maybe, well, send me a Zoom link for those so I can uh, bum off of uh, <laughs> your wife's we'll learning as well. Oh, yeah, yeah that'd exactly. be great. <laughs> yeah. How about you, Wes? What are you reading? Uh, right now, I'm working on a book called Fortitude by Dan Crenshaw. He's at the in the U House, U.S. House of Representatives. So former military, and you guys probably all know him because he was the guy that um, oh, one of the guys on Saturday Night Live made fun of him on a skit because he has an eye patch because he lost his eye in combat. And so, yeah, I know, Dad. <laughs> so anyway, Dan went on on Saturday Night Live and they did a funny skit together and everything just kind of smooth it over but the book's called fortitude and and he's really talking a little bit about how we need to be calmer more still we need to less outrage culture you know working through things and uh, right now i'm working on a chapter it's about game planning so which is pretty interesting and how if you want to bring your emotional level down you just need to do more one of the things you can do is more game planning or war planning, like, oh, what if this happens? Well, what if this happens? And I'll do this, I will do that, you know? And so well, if you think through all of those things, then all of a sudden your emotional level comes way down. <laughs> Instead right. of just like, ah, you know, the sky is falling and, you know, that's this terrible thing that happened. So anyway, it's pretty interesting. I'd, I'd recommend it. It's an easy read. Um, you said that was Fortitude, Fortitude. By Dan, Fortitude by Dan Crenshaw. Yeah. Well, that's, I mean, it, it makes sense too because if you think about any like higher pressure situations if you've prepared for those like giving a speech or you know an athletic event or you know whatever it is the more you've prepared you always feel more calm just going into it so right um, but but so applying that what to happens more, if your microphone doesn't work or what would i do if you know xyz and so those things are helpful just yeah bring uh -oh. i don't know what i would do if it broke down yeah i think how little time we spend on that we don't spend, you know, in any business environment, it's because it's the tyranny of the moment, tyranny of the yeah. urgent. You know, yeah. This client's toilet's flooding. This, you know, client needs this design right now, or, you know, but that's what takes up all your time and you don't spend any of that time, you know, planning. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And uh, probably everyone who's going to be listening to this will probably be listening to it and be aware of the pandemic thing that's going on now. <laughs> that's going to be lasting for a while, but just in general, who would have thought you had to game plan around a black swan event? So, uh, but obviously you do, you know? So if you live in Seattle, well, what happens if there's an earthquake or, you know, if you live somewhere else, what happens if there's a tornado or, you know, what happens if you lose half your workforce for some reason, you know, all sorts of different things. Yeah. That's interesting. Well, we'll make sure to link it up in the show notes. And I think, it kind of ties into our topic today, but I was, you know, in, in planning and thinking about growth, but this topic really came up from a conversation I had with a remodeling company. And they're uh, also one that's been in business for several generations. And we were talking about redoing their website and wanted to do some marketing. And I just kept asking questions. Well, why do you want to do this? Why do you, and, and they said they didn't really want to grow but they were wanting to do these things for, for other reasons, kind of irrelevant to, to this discussion. But it got me thinking about, cause that kind of hit me over the head. I'm like, wait, you don't want to grow. Um, but I know there's, there's different types of growth. So I thought we'd just dive into this topic of, of growth in general. And um, you know, should you always be 
looking to grow or are there times to be just maintaining Brooks, as you think about growth, what do you, what do you think just generally, should you always be looking to grow? Oh, I, I absolutely think so. And of course there's, like you said, Spence, there's different types of growth. There's, you could be top line growth. There could be systems growth. There could be personal development growth. Um, and I think that's what keeps it interesting. Um, if you're, if you're not looking to improve, I, you know, it could be grow, could it be the word improve, um, something like that. Then I think you flip to stagnation, which is, uh, and, and I guess depending on the personality type, I guess you could go back. We've had some discussions about personality types, but that could lead into that because there are a lot of people that are just like status quo. This is the way I like to do it every day. And, you know, those those personality types have their position in each company, um, but maybe they're not technically the best ones to lead in trying to, because you know, sometimes growing is just keeping up. Sure. I don't know what you think, Wes. I mean, is it from yeah, that? No, I, I agree. I, I don't think there's any static. I mean, there's no static position that a business can hold or, or even that we can hold as individuals, right? So, um, you know, I always feel like, man, if you're not growing, you're going backwards. And that doesn't mean that, um, well, I think, think about a, a boat, I guess, that's in a river or something with a motor, and you could be you could be powering upstream, and you could have that motor running full out, and you may not be making very much um, total progress in comparison to the bank of the river, but man, if you turned off that power and that gas, you'd be going the other direction in a, in a heartbeat. So I think that's why I was feeling you got to keep the pressure on and, and um, just an interesting story. When I first bought uh, the direct mail company, the the owner that I bought it from, you know, I said, "Well, what's your status on growth, and what do you feel about growth?" And and he's like, "Well, you know what? We have all the customers that we need." Interesting. Wow. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> that's not really true because you know, and there's attrition, right? So you got to be replacing customers. You got to be bringing on new customers as old customers drop off. And it's certainly true in the remodeling space where lots of times you see a customer once, hopefully you'll get a repeat customer, right? But if you're not keeping that funnel full um, and really trying to, to work on that growth strategy, I think you'll, you won't make the progress. You won't, I don't think most people will be very happy with, with the outcome long-term. Yeah. Well, Go ahead, Bruce. Another thing to think about would be also you're using your analogy of you know, you're going upstream and, and the, the river's going by at 10 knots and you're trying mm -hmm. to go 12 knots. So you're going ahead, you know, two knots. The other thing is, is the thing about it is if you're static, you're, if let's say you're going down the freeway and you're going 40 miles an hour, everybody else is going 80. So think of your competition. If you're in, you know, your business, you're, remodeling or building homes and you're building, you know, and you're doing things at 40 miles an hour, but everybody else is going 80, you're going backwards. So you have to accelerate your business to keep up just because you'll get left behind. I mean, it's the same thing as if when cell phones became prevalent, if you didn't get on board with cell phones and you get everybody in the field with cell phones and you said, you know, we're just not doing that because we're just not going to do it. Well, I don't, you remember, you know, when we first started building houses and and we were stuck in the mindset of, hey, we just need to build this this fantastic split level plan, plan right? Yeah. You know, yeah. this this thing is a bread and butter product and we're Perfect. sticking to that. 
And then we'd go out and look around and what the competition was doing like, hey, what is this thing called a two-story? Yeah, you know, with a great room concept, you know, that is, oh, wow, that's mind blowing. And so yeah. <laughs> unless you're in a growth mindset, whether it's just the growth of your product, I mean, less than everything, growth is, oh, that's just top line revenue. But as Brooks was pointing out, it can be a lot of different things. It could be your own personal growth, the growth and development of your product offering. Um, but man, you, you got to keep growing. Yeah, and let's dig into that a little bit because I think that is where people's minds typically go when you think growth. You go, oh, I've got to grow revenue. But what are some of these core areas, Brooks, that you were thinking about that are other ways to grow besides just revenue? Well, I think you could tie back to something Wes just said, which is you could grow product type. You could say, you know what, we're all we do now is kitchens but maybe we could do bathrooms. Maybe we could do handyman. Maybe we could do whole house remodels. Maybe we could do, so you could look at product type. Then you could also look at, um, uh, well, what would I have to do with my staff um, to have them grow so they could support product type? And then, okay, well, that would be a staff thing. Then you could say, well, what kind of systems do I have to grow in so that I could support the staff as we support the product? So, I think in a way it does go back, not necessarily to revenue, but to what's going to keep you relevant in your space. Um, I think it goes back to Wes's point is, Hey, we could always build this uh, split level or mid entry, or it's called a race ranch on the East coast. And we'll just build that forever. Um, well, that just doesn't work even as much as you want it to work because Hey, we can build that you know, super easy in 60 days. You know, why do something more complicated? Yeah, Brooks, I like your idea of, you know, what, what they call line extension, which is basically the idea of, I'm going to build other, I'm going to do other things that are within my product category, right? So if I do kitchens, I'm going to do baths. If I do baths, I might do additions and things like that. Um, and that's an easy way to, to grow, right? I mean, it's, you're going to leverage your expertise that you already have and just add more things to the mix, allows customers to buy, buy more things from you. And I know that um, uh, in the direct mail company, you know, we did a lot of mailing, but we also went ahead and added uh, printing and some other things, which would be considered line, line extensions. Um, I don't know. I, there's another thing you could do too called brand extension, uh, which would be just using the power of your brand to go into a totally different business or a line. Uh, so I guess, Brooks, maybe that's like when you guys were doing remodeling, and you decided to do the whole handyman business. So to me, that's brand extension, where you're saying, hey, we have this super powerful brand around Powell Renovations, and so we're gonna take that brand in our market area, and now we're gonna do handyman work, which is totally different, um, but people will grab onto that because of our, the power of our brand. You know, Carol Shelby did that. Everyone's probably seen uh, Ford versus Ferrari now, um, but uh, he sold chili. You know, so he had Shelby Chili, and uh, that was pretty popular. But that's where he used the power of his name or his brand to go ahead and slap it on something else and and make uh, make. Uh, it's gonna be. I mean, it's gonna be hard. It, it seems like, oh wow, yeah, Shelby did that. There's different companies that do that, which they're 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 you know they yeah. look like they're bigger companies <laughs> that might. And you know, for for family businesses that are in the remodeling or the construction business, yeah, it's going maybe one step away, you know, we went from being a spec home builder, uh, building speculative homes 
to then we went from so we went from Powell Homes, which is our brand name from the 60s, and had the name Powell in it. And then we took that to Powell uh, Custom Homes. So we added, we had a custom home line, then we had Powell Renovations. So we took the, we used the Powell name, which had been in the marketplace since 1909, and then um, expanded that. And that's kind of how we did that line, you know, that brand extension, and then did different products under it. So as you guys are thinking about some of these other ways to grow, you know, brand, you know, extension or line extensions, um, you know, there's obviously just top line revenue, there's profitability, there's systems. I guess, is there ever a time when growth is bad? Sure. Yeah, I, I think yeah. so. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, we've all seen it where sometimes when the market's hot, we just jobs kind of just flow in naturally, right? You're not really marketing that hard. It just seems like everything closes up and it's very easy to grow the revenue side of the equation. But many times you're just out of control. You know, you don't really, as, as Brooks was saying, you know, if you haven't grown your systems to match the top line growth, if your employees haven't grown along with that, um, then, then yeah, you can have a bad situation on your hands. And, and lots of companies have gone out of business in a hyper growth mode, you know, because they just can't deal with it. Yeah, I think one of the important things, Spence, is that if you're in a situation, you're in a situation where you are just taking orders, Hmm. I mean, you are taking orders, people are just coming in and you're just, all that I'm going to say is raise your price, raise your price, increase your markup, increase your margin until you stop the sales and let your systems catch up. But we get excited, you know, if you're in a, you're in a downturn and finally you start, start selling and you've been scrapping and scraping and, and trying to still sell anything and uh, you just work your tail off. And then all of a sudden, you know, the orders start coming in and, and then you're like, oh good, we're finally busy again. And then they, the more orders start coming in and you're like, okay, this is great. Finally, we're getting some cash flow. At that moment, you gotta just start raising your price, slowing it down, getting your systems to catch up and you'll, two things will happen. One, it will, the systems will work. Your margins will go up, your net profits will go up and you'll make more money doing less jobs. And yeah. That's, yeah, that's a fantastic point, Brooks. I mean, cause you know, we all learned econ 101 about price elasticity of demand and Hey, you know, so if the demand is super hyped, you know, super hyped up, then you got to figure out how sensitive is the market to pricing. And that's how you do it. You just keep raising the price, raising the price. And if you raise the price, you know, like $4 and all of a sudden demand just falls away, you go, oh, well, it's pretty, it's pretty sensitive to price, but it may not be. And your growth can be in the bottom line. You know? yeah, I think in the construction business, uh, there's a lot of room for uh, uh, prices to be increased uh, to improve your margin or get your margin to an industry standard because it is very hard to price shop remodeling. It's, it's much harder to raise your price in new construction where people will look at five new homes in five different neighborhoods that have, you know, all within a hundred square feet of each other and the specs are very similar. That's tough. That's like competing in, in new car sales, but in re in the remodeling space where it is really hard for someone to nail down the different specifications and the scope and the pricing, um, then, there's a lot of room because once you've built that trust with a client, you know, they're willing to pay for that quality of service. 
I like what you guys are saying about both a combination of systems growth as you're growing revenue, because it does lead to increase in profitability. I had a guy on, on the podcast a little ways back, a guy named Rob Bohr, and he had a remodeling company for, for quite some time. And they really dialed in their systems and they got it to a point where their net profit was around 35, 40%. And they just cranked net, net after net. GNA. Yes. <laughs> Unreal. And, and I think that's a testament to what you guys are talking about with yeah. systems improvement and you can raise your prices and they figured out if they could increase the speed in the way they delivered their jobs, yeah. then they could, uh, that was how they, they got there really. Yeah, it's just uh, reduce, reduce the friction, right? If you exactly. can reduce all the friction in your system. Yep. And then it works pretty well. Yeah, so they didn't have to increase staffing. They didn't have to re- increase their capital or anything else. They just said, okay, instead of doing 10 jobs a week, we can do 20. Yeah, exactly. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Just looking at how many times you touch a piece of paper or, you know, within your systems and that's kind of yeah. old school, but just, but that idea of how, how many times is an invoice touched, how many people review, all those things cost, cost money and time. And if yeah, I mean, that guy, uh, Rob should, yeah, he could, that's incredible because to be at a net operating income, a net profit of hmm, that's 30% a, yeah. or, because if in the remodeling space, you could be at 12 or 13, you'd be a hero. So to be right. three times that, incredible. Yeah, it was wild. Yeah, I'll, I'll send you guys the link to the episode. Yeah, that'd be great. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I, I was just thinking about that because you guys have been talking about systems and that was something he talked about. But um, I, I guess I kind of want to go back to this concept of when when the jobs are kind of flowing in, you said start raising your prices is that when you start to find the time to work on the systems? Cause you kind of have to work on some of these in tandem and you know, how do you, how do you carve out that time? Uh, I see you guys are both, both <laughs> kind of laughing at We're me. So Wes, why, why don't you dive in? I don't know. What, what do you say, Brooks? I, I, have a thought. Well, I, I would say you have to carve out the time to work on systems uh, uh, all the time. We've talked about it in previous episodes about the EMS working on your systems. How do we do it here? And making that part of your, as an owner, as a leader, making that part of your, your stick, which is, hey, this is what we're working on. We're not just going to run around, you know, like with our hair on fire all the time. We're going we're gonna to sit down and be calm, cool, collected, and work on systems. And we had a, at our other company, we had a time once a week, we sat down and worked on, it's called systems development. And we sit down for an hour with the team and, okay, what system are you working on? And we call it a, a, a a building development goal. So it's a, a goal to improve the development of the company. And and it was a challenge because you'd have people would be like, oh, I didn't get to it this week. And I didn't, you know, but getting the whole group to work on it. And, you know, it worked better than not doing it at all. I wouldn't say it was a, a huge success, but it was better than not trying. So I don't know, Wes, what you think? Oh, I agree. You know, they talk about, you know, there's, if you think of your business as kind of, going through seasons, right? So in the, in the fall, um, well, you know, in the winter or when times are slow or even literally in the winter, that's a great time to be working on your systems. You've got extra time. So really dig in on your systems there. And in the springtime, you're typically working on, you know, your marketing, you know, getting those seeds planted. So you're going to have the work to do in the, in the summer and in the fall, you're usually reaping the, the harvest. So, but, but I think you, even if you don't work on your systems all the time, you have to build it into a cycle at least 
So you're going to sit down at least once a year or once a quarter and ask that question, what's not working? You know, where is the friction? Um, what can we do differently? And what can we internalize in our process to make, make this work better? And, you know, it is tough to Brooks's point to do it every single week. Um, but, you know, it's never going to end. You're always going to work on your systems. You're always working on your systems. Yeah, if you look at your growth, I mean, if you double, and that, isn't that every remodeler's dream, right? It's always, well, you know, I'm doing 1.5. Well, I really want to do three. Well, I'm doing 2.5. I really want to do five. You know, that's it's always that dream. And uh, I, I don't know why that is. It's always the, if I got to 2x of whatever I'm doing now, I'd be super happy. Well, no, you wouldn't be. Because if you hadn't spent the time on the systems and everything else, you're going to have some some major headaches. I would like to see a change to instead of people, yeah, if I was 2x or 3x. Yeah. What about, hey, what if I improve my net net operating income by two points? Right. Forget the flipping top line <laughs> revenue. What if I, you know, instead of making 5%, I made 10%. I could build half as much stuff. Yeah. You know, that sounds like a dream. That. Yeah. that sounds like a dream, doesn't it? Yeah. I mean, you'd have to touch that half that many people. We work on that a ton. And I think it, it lends itself, like in production home building, it lends itself to that because you're like, okay, we're going to build X amount of plans and we're just going to replicate those and we'll get our construction materials down and we'll, we'll really be able to. So it's more of a production line. And I, that is challenging to think about that in the remodeling space because it's hard to think production. And I think that's where, you know, companies, we have a company out here called Kitchens Plus, you know, and they advertise a kitchen in seven days. So that's their niche. So kind of the opposite of what we talked about earlier today, which is line extension, which is, oh, we do kitchens and we do baths and we do, but maybe it's thinking about each product you do do, refining that. So this is our offering into kitchen space. And let's try to get really efficient with that and really try to work on our markup on that product, which will then improve our, our net operating income. And I'd like to see people change their thought to let's improve our net operating income and just and work on that while you're improving your, your revenue, because then you're just kind of every dollar you sell, you're making more. Yeah. You know, I'll really, oh, go ahead, Wes. Oh, I was just going to say, you know, I'm thinking about like five guys, you know, all they do is they do burgers and fries, burgers and fries, burgers and fries. And they do that really, really well. And their idea of variety is, oh, do you want one patty or two patty or three patties on that thing? But eventually I noticed that they added milkshakes. Right. You know, so they ran, they pushed that initial product offering. They refined it really, really well. You know, if you're really into kitchens and you really hone that in, then once you've really got that dialed in, then you can start looking at adding some different things that will just kind of beef up your, and so milkshakes in that example probably only goes you know, straight to the bottom line. So it's just an add-on. And so the same thing with kitchens. If you can think of some small add-on features that you can sell or upsell, um, that can add a lot to your bottom line without you doing a whole bunch to get but that done. You, but don't you think that, I mean, really the shakes really go right to your waistline, but not your bottom line. I mean, I just <laughs> want, to, want to point that out. That's really not Absolutely, yeah. yeah, no yeah. Kidding. So you see, but here we circled around to... Um, you know, adding line still extension. circling around your waist there, or <laughs> totally circling. Yeah, I got, I've got the Sansa belt slacks, which you guys can look that up if you want. You know, hey, you don't I don't have to look it up. Man. Yeah, I know. But some people, some people might. Yeah, that's S A N S A belt. Yeah, um, yeah. 
we said, well, first, okay, we said line extension, how to grow. We've now come back to, um, oh, uh, burgers and fries get really efficient. And then we said, okay, add shakes. They'll go to the bottom line. Um, and I'm kind of I'm wondering if listeners are thinking, well, when am I going to have time to do all this stuff? I think as you're thinking about your day and if you're too busy to be able to work on this, raise your price. I'm just going to come back to that. Raise your yeah. price. And it's so, good, uh, more uh, money for every person you touch. I, I, I hear what you're saying, Brooks, and I think that can be the answer a lot of times. Um, but some of the time, if you're that busy, you may have to look at yourself and say, do I have a management style problem? Can I not let anything go? Yeah. Can I not point. delegate? Do I not know how to set up a system? Yeah, that's good. Um, you know, if you have to touch everything all the time, then you're really not going to be able to grow. You're just going to, you're going to burn out or flame out or, you know, it's not going to end well for you right. um, if you can't do that. But yes, I think you're I, right for like a lot you, of times. But. Yeah, and I come back to that because depending, no matter what business you're in, I got a, a guy I know and he's in public speaking and he says, I'm busy, busy, busy. I'm so busy. And I just say, raise your price. Well, I'm afraid that I'm not going to, I won't have those gigs. I said, try it, raise your price. <laughs> I got another buddy of mine who uh, sells uh, small outbuildings. And uh, he would run around, make it, you know, if he'd make five grand, that was great. I said, and he was just busier and all get out. I said, raise your price. Now he's working half the time, making twice as much because there was that room in the space. So I just encourage people to test it because you're working eight, 10, 12 hours a day, no matter what. Yeah. And what's the worst that can happen, right, Brooks? You can lower your price. Yeah, if you have to. Right. I mean, that's that's where you're you're looking for that point. Yeah, you want to hit that point where you feel demand, and you yeah. oh, okay, but and so you're gonna have to play around with it. You're not gonna hit it exactly. You can't say, well, if I raise my prices twenty three percent, that'll be perfect. Yeah. No, it moves all around. I mean, it's you know, the next job you go, you go to sit down with the client, and you built all the value, and you think, well, man, I think I could get twenty three grand for this. Ask for twenty four nine. My guess is you're gonna get it. Yeah. Then the next time, try something else. You can always, when they walk out the door, say, "Oh, you know, what if we thought about it this way?" And then you could back it off a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's a good. Sorry to cut you off there, Uh, but yeah, I think that's a good point. Is just kind of using that as a a default, but just a testing ground that you're always going to be kind of trying to find that because, as you guys said earlier, you know, demand's going to move. You know, so in three months or six months it could be different. And so if you're not always just trying to keep your finger on the pulse of where you can be, then, you know, you're just kind of going to keep your prices the same for, for too long. And I think about the speaking guy that pushed back on you said, well, I'm afraid. Well, if the fear is so high that you're going to lose the gigs, then the pain of being busy probably isn't high enough. Is that what the way I, mean, I, I think, think about that's that, probably what know? it is. It's like, the, and it's what we're used to, right? So if we're used to running around with our hair on fire for 12 hours a day and you just kind of, you're indoctrinated to the chaos of it all, it, it may not be that interesting to raise your price and have a little bit more time in your day because you might feed off that adrenaline of the, of, you know, even though it feels kind of miserable, you still might kind of like it. And, sure. and so yeah. and that's fine. Yeah, lots of times you know, people like, they like that being needed, you know? Right, yeah. Nothing can happen without me. 
no one's done it quite as, as well as I've done it in the past when I, you know, had the tool belt strapped down and was doing everything myself. And, and so once again, you got to go back and revisit your goals. What are your goals for your business? If, if it's to have a really nice hobby and you really do enjoy working with your hands and all that kind of stuff, and then that's a whole different goal than, Hey, I'm trying to, to meet some financial goals for my family and my employees. And, uh, you know, just, so we talked about goals the other week and I think you can always go back and, and think about those things. Um, I was going to say though, as you're thinking about growth, I mean, you guys may have a different opinion, but so I'd like to hear from you guys in terms of order. So if you're saying, well, see, what do I work on first? Cause we talked about lots of different ways that you can grow. Brooks did right at the top of the thing. So, but what order would you guys tackle growth? I, I guess systems, what, you know, first yeah, I, I guess as I think about it, I'm kind of thinking of starting from, from ground zero, uh, but maybe, maybe not ground zero, but I would say top line uh, systems, bottom line, because the top line, if you don't have anything coming in, then you're kind of, you're dead in the water anyway. So you got to get some momentum, but then, and then, you don't want to do systems first is my take because then you'll just spend forever planning. There's a lot of people out there that just get stuck in planning mode yeah, forever. Plan, so they never plan, do plan. anything. So as soon as you sell it, then you're like, Oh shit, now I got to figure out how I'm going to execute this work. And then that's where the systems come in and the personal growth. And then you do it and you go, Oh, we didn't make as much on that. Or you start learning about industry standards and you figure out, Oh, okay. And so then that's where I think you, dial in the, the bottom line. So I guess that's how I think about it. But Brooks, you have a yeah, different you have to have you have to have a sale. I mean the first thing that happens, you know, if, if there's not a sale, you know, there's no transaction, there's nothing to work on. So if you you know if you sold your first house that you built or you've sold your someone came to you and said, hey, I want to build a do a kitchen remodel and, and you said, okay, that's your first sale and then you're kind of off to the races. And but then you have to really get to your systems. And, and I guess I would go to my first system, which is cash control, profit and loss, probably my first system, because you can make up a lot of other stuff. But if you don't know if you're making money or not, who cares about the other systems? And to your point, Spencer, which is I run into a lot of people, which, you know, well, I'm working on my system. And every time you meet with them, they're like, hey, your profit margin is crap. You know, your net profit's crap. Oh, yeah, I'm working on my system. <laughs> fix your profit margin first. You know, you can fix your, your other system. So it's because it's financial, you're not going to, unless, like Wes said, unless you want just a hobby, which is fine. You know, for me, that's not fine because I don't want to, I'm not going out the door unless I'm making money. So just for me, that's just the way I'm wired. So I'm not interested in a hobby. You know, I can go water skiing or go on hiking. You know, I don't need, I don't need to go to work for a hobby. So I don't, I don't know, Wes, what you think the first thing you, you think it's top line, bottom line. Oh, absolutely. Line. No, you guys are right. You got to have it. You have to have something to work on, right? You got to have a lump of clay. <laughs> you can't just think about how you're going to mold that lump of clay. You got to have a lump of clay, which is the first first sale, and then you start working on it. It's probably, in my mind, is kind of an iterative um, deal. You know, you get the first job in, you realize you do the job, you go, "Oh man, I don't have any systems. I barely made it through that." And you go, "You know, what's the first thing I should tackle?" Okay, well, yeah, did I make any money? Can I track? Did I make any money? And if I can't track that, then that's the first thing I need to work on and figure out, oh, if I'm going to do this again, how do I know if I made any money? And so you start to work on those systems, but then you go, well, I'm not getting enough jobs. And so you're kind of circling around and touching on everything. But in my mind, I think you just have to be 
mindful and back to Brooks always talks about the e-myth. And I think that's a good point to always come back to that because you have to take yourself outside of your business on a regular basis and look at the business. And that means, oh, okay, I'm not working in the business now, I'm working on the business. And I'm going to work on the top line and the systems and so on and so forth and just circle, circle, circle. Um, but if you can't step out of your business, you're not ever going to be able to achieve long-lasting growth, I don't think, because you won't have the perspective to see how to make that happen. You'll just be more reacting to ups and downs in the marketplace. I'm going to give you a little, well, actually a big piece of insight that most construction companies don't even realize. Nearly all of the problems you encounter in your projects and business have one thing in common, communication or lack thereof. Think about the last time a project went sideways. I'm guessing if you traced it back to its source, it had something to do with a missed or miscommunication. In fact, 72% of client unhappiness is directly attributed to poor communication during projects. Needless to say, good communication needs to be a priority in your business. And that's especially true with everything that's happening around us today. BuildBook has created a simple solution that makes communicating with your clients and team incredibly easy so nothing slips through the cracks. And as a reminder, they've also made it 100% free for you to use during this uncertain climate we're currently in. So hit pause right now and text BuildBook, one word, to 33777 and they'll send you a link to sign up. All right, let's get back to the show. Yeah, it's interesting as we were talking about this discussion of where, where do you start? And I think if we all reflect back to the first customer, first job of any type, whether it's the very first one or a new line extension or whatever, you're heavily involved. You're looking for those things like, oh, I'm creating the systems on the fly. I'm trying to figure this out. But then it seems like we hit a certain point where then you feel like you've got some systems, but you're maybe not always looking at how do I improve? And I like this idea. We use it here, uh, but I think it really, really applies in the remodeling space of a postmortem. And that's a good way to pull the team in and you just do it after every project. Like, hey, what didn't go well? What went super well? And then you document that and you can apply it to all your future projects. But if that's just like a regular like huddle at the end of every project, then I think you can bake it in, you know, to your systems, you know, as a process of improving. I don't know if you guys have ever done stuff like that at, at different times. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I think the postmortem is a great idea. Um, and we don't do them as often as we should. Lots of times we go, yeah, we're going to do a postmortem after every job. And then it ends up being about every 10th job or something because, once again, we let the tyranny of the urgent take well, over. And the other thing is that no one really wants to do it because really you're, t- you're talking about, uh, yeah, most of the time you're talking about what did not go well. Right. You don't spend a lot of time like, uh, I mean, the postmortems on jobs where, you, where your markup was 2.2, you're like, yeah, those are pretty awesome because you're like, we crushed this, you know, and even the stuff you screwed up because your markup was so great, you're like, yeah, we did it. Yeah. You know, but when, you know, the markups, you know, 0.97 and you lost money, you know, then those postmortems are not a lot of fun. Um, and I always found is that people don't really want to do them because it just creates more work. It's like, well, we're going to have to talk about what didn't go right. And then I'm going to have to, you know, as an employee, I'm going to have to go back and work on fixing that. And uh, I saw a lot of pushback um, from employees on, well, that was just a one-time thing. It won't happen again versus, you know, we've done this 10 times in a row and it's the same darn thing. You know, is it a system problem? 
is it an employee problem? And you really find out most of the time it's a system problem or it's an employee not using the system. Because you know, you'll create a system and you'll find out that uh, when you start talking through it, the employee's like, yeah, I'm not really using that right now. Like, what? You know, so <laughs> I don't know if that's ever happened to you, Spencer, but you know, it certainly happened to me. Oh, for sure. Yeah. I, I mean, I think, you know, when you really step out and just think about business and all the systems it's made up of, you know, it's most of the time the breakdowns are just not using the system. And I know I'm usually one of the biggest offenders. Of <laughs> I'm really good at documenting a system and then following it. So, you know, you're like, oh, I know how to do this. You don't use the checklist or, you know, whatever it is, you know, happens. And so you've really just got to be diligent about running the systems because that's why you built them you know and yeah, I, you want to get everything to have it i think and so it's it's easy so you're just you don't think about it i mean if you think about the way you get up every day you know you get up you work out you have your breakfast and your breakfast could be the same thing every day or it could be one of several things and then you know you hit the door and you know you leave your car keys in a certain place and your wallet in a certain place so you don't have to think about any of that stuff which then frees your mind up to think about work or be creative. And so that's why systems are great. So you just like, you know, oh, we're, we're in this situation on a kitchen and bath. We always grab this sheet or we always have this template that we use. And, and that's what the beauty of systems are. And, you know, and a lot of people fight that because they're like, oh, well, you know, that's great. But the way I do it is this way. And you'll, you'll, I think uh, you'll fight with that all the time. I don't know, Wes, if you did, you'd have a system, created and oh I, i'm very much like spencer i like to create systems and then not use them for myself <laughs> um, so and, and that's something you just have to battle as, as the owner because most owners are kind of like that I, I would say because they're they're entrepreneurial and so they understand the value of systems but lots of times they're not the best system they're good system developers and implementers and they're not very good about carrying out and following through on their own system. So and if that's the case for you, you know, get somebody else. Maybe it's your exactly. spouse and get your spouse to say, hey, uh, I need you to make sure that we really follow through on these systems. I, I developed it. I know it's right, but I need you to hold people accountable or, or help me hold people accountable. Or, you know, maybe you get big enough, you can get an office manager or something. Yeah. Yeah. And maybe your whole idea is you, you want to grow enough so you can hire a general manager so you can be entrepreneurial, but you don't have to abide by those systems yeah. that you know work. But there's still usually somebody in your company, even if you're super small, who probably is that person who's yep. checklist person, attention to detail. And if you've done some personality testing, like we've talked about another, you know, podcast, lots of times they'll help you identify that person and then they can come in and, and help you with that. So, you know, use the people that you have and, yeah. and uh, see if you can get them slotted into the right area to, to help you do that. And if you don't have those people, force yourself to do that until you yeah, do. Right. And I think that's the. If yeah, don't be lazy. Want to, yeah. Don't be lazy. If, if your goal is to move beyond, you know, being a hobbyist or to move beyond uh, being an independent contractor, you know, working, you know, just sole proprietor by yourself. There's, you know, some things you're going to have to push yourself to do. And any of those are fine. It's just acknowledging, you know, what you're trying to do. And you can develop that muscle of doing things that you don't like to do. You know, if you see yourself, you know, do something that you don't like to do and go, see, I did that. 
and then do it again and do it again and then reward yourself and compliment yourself for saying, hey, I take care of things that I don't like to do. Yeah. And that's what's going to get me where I need to go. And, and yeah, eventually you can move it on, but, you know, toughen up that, that muscle of self, uh, you know, of resolve. On that point, I mean, it made me think of a lot of, I think a lot of people, the gym is that way or working out and you start out not liking it and then you learn to like it. But I think it, it goes so deep that you can almost force yourself to like anything. I remember I've never enjoyed country music. And, <laughs> hey, I, I'm just saying, uh, hang, hang with me here. Not a country fan, um, but my wife really likes country music. And for years, you know, she would just, when she was driving, she would listen to her own music. And if I was driving and then if we were in, in a shared vehicle, we just pick a, a genre we both liked. But I don't know what it was, but one day I was like, I should just flip on a country station when it was just me in the car. I did that for about a week. I didn't like all the songs, but there were a couple I started to like. And then all of a sudden, I, you know, I probably like, you know, 10 to 25% of the genre. And, you know, so I think it's just an interesting concept to think about it at a lot of different levels, you know, is, hey, if you really don't enjoy something, but you know the outcome, you know, what where you want to go with that, it's worth going through the discomfort. Well, I think that, spends, that circles back to your growth point at the beginning, which is your pushing yourself to grow. You're saying, okay, I'm going to grow and, and try this other kind of music that I don't think I really like. And, and so that's, that's stretches your brain, which yeah. is what we all need to do. And there's lots of research about using your brain and improving your cognitive ability. And so that could be, Oh, I'm going to try this food that I don't like. I don't think I like this type of food. Well, I'm going to go try that, um, which then stretches you. So it's, it's getting outside your comfort zone you know, a little bit anyway, you know, maybe you don't have to go jump off a building and become a, you know, a skydiver or something, but you can try something. Yeah, I, you know, you're, I think you really you're like seeking it. to understand, right? You're going, Hey, I don't like country music, but I'm, I'm seeking to understand why so many people do. And, right. you know, and that forces you to get down beneath the surface and, and really figure that out. And, uh, and yeah, you can, you can at least come to neutral on things that you used to hate if nothing else. And, um, you know, especially around systems and things like that, or, or actually executing the system. That tends to be where we fall down is on the execution right. side. Yeah. And I still can't do the twangy stuff, but that's all right. You know. <laughs> How about yodeling? Do you like yodeling? <laughs> I mean, that's some, there's some fantastic yodeling channels on Sirius XM. I mean, you just, oh, yeah. yeah, absolutely. Can't I guess I shouldn't that. say no until I go listen to some more. So. <laughs> My favorite is yodel this. <laughs> so... Uh, as we're getting to the to the end here, I know one question that's probably running through people's minds is, okay, we talked a lot about growth. Hopefully people are on board with this concept of growth. But if if somebody's kind of where they're at um, and they're like, oh, I think I can maintain, you know, what does that do from like a staff and culture standpoint if you're not kind of pushing in one of these directions that we've talked about, you know, Brooks? What do you think that that does? Well, that's an interesting question. We we spend a lot of time on that in our companies when we meet with new hires and say, hey, you know, this is the size of the company. My brother and I are owners. Um, we're not interested in going anywhere. So here's the different positions we hire for. And, uh, you know, if you're hiring to be a lead carpenter, uh, this is a great spot. Um, there's probably not going to be another spot above that, but we have great systems. We'll train you 
how to be the best lead carpenter there is. And at some point, you know, you want to move on, uh, you know, that's just fine. We understand that. Uh, but while you're here, you know, let's, we'll do everything we can to train you to be the best in what you're doing. So we were very upfront about that. Um, and so we had some great people work for us that would, you know, move on after two or three years. And we're all sad to see them go because uh, they were great. But we just set that, we set the expectation up that way. Um, just because we knew we were not going to be, hey, we're not trying to get $100 million in revenue and remodeling, so there's going to be all these different positions for people to go to. So I don't, I don't know, Wes, how you guys handled that. Yeah, actually the same way. We would say, hey, guess what? You know, this is the size of the company. We do grow. But, you know, for the, for the person who's a real hard charger, you can always say, hey, look, this is the size we are. We'll, we'll bring you in. We'll help train you. You know, you'll have a great experience here. And we're not going to feel badly if you leave after two or three or four years because we want, I would rather have a series of rock stars to help push you, you know, and, and help you develop just internally, even if you're not in hyper growth mode and recognize that some people are just going to want to grow a lot faster than you're going to be able to grow in your company. Or ultimately um, for top line, you know, you may not want to get way over a certain point in top line, you may want to work on growing in other other areas. And that's fine. Um, I will say that that um, some people are very comfortable in a non-growth environment, and that can be okay, um, but they're typically not the people that are going to help you develop systems and get better you know, let's say around your accounting or, or things like that, um, you know, they might be very stuck in their ways. So, and, and not like growth. And so you got to guard against that. Um, but, you know, just be upfront. I, I would rather move people through, you know, for a lot of the positions and, and get some people that are really motivated and, and uh, just want to use you as a dumping off point. And then there are some some positions where it's okay to get, I'm really looking for someone who isn't into growth. <laughs> you know, there, there are certain positions that are just fine for that. Yeah. So just think about it. In those, in those yeah. positions where, you know, a lot of times in accounting where it's like, you know, I need an accounts payable person. That's all this does. And it's just, right. and so, or maybe it's payroll or, yeah, so there, there's not those opportunities for growth if you're in that spot. Yeah. But to your point, I mean, some people that is what they like and that's more their personality. And so just matching those roles up, you know, mm -hmm. is what you're looking for there. Um, la last kind of thoughts on growth as we wrap today, I I'm a big believer that company growth kind of starts with personal growth. And I'm just curious how, how have you guys carved in that time or your own personal systems for finding ways to grow personally, whether that's conferences, reading, you know, whatever mentors, um, Brooks, maybe you can share what you've done I, over the years. I spent, yeah, 25 years in uh, the National Association of Home Builders, Builder 20 Clubs. And that really pushed me to grow because it was with 20 other guys you meet twice a year. And, you know, you're listening, you're, you're having 19 other people tell you what you're doing wrong. And there's nothing that helps you grow better than that. So getting involved in whatever your, your, uh, Maybe it's local or it's a national program, something that you can use that's in your industry that helps you grow uh, as a business owner, you know, as a person. I mean, obviously, there's now, there's so many different podcasts, there's Audible. So, you know, 
in the old days, you'd, you know, put the tape in the cassette player and you'd listen to whatever, you know, personal development or growth tape while you're driving around, driving from job to job. And, you know, that would help uh, relieve stress from whatever's going on that day. Plus you're thinking about, Oh, well, how could I do a better job of that? And, and, and now, you know, you're not having to read everything. You can listen to it, you know, audibly. So I think those are the two things that I would be thinking about all the time, which is, you know, getting involved in the national level with other people in your business and, uh, and then listening to, you know, books and podcasts about, you know, how to, how to become better at what you're doing. Wes, how about you? What have you done to kind of bake in personal growth? Yeah, well, I am a reader, so I do, I do like to read. I like to be reading something all the time. And so for decades, I was always reading either something that was some, some form, something related to business or personal growth and trying to apply those things as much as possible. Um, I do, I agree with everything that Brooke said. You can find a group or um, kind of like a mastermind group. I'm sure referred to a mastermind group, get people that uh, really want to help each other grow. Then that can be super powerful and very helpful. And so I think those personal connections are great for growth. Um, but um, yeah, I think that that's probably one of the, the better ways. One of the one way that can help you grow too is if you have to, and you can do it in the mastermind group or anything, but if you're starting to develop an expertise on something or, or you're, or maybe you're struggling with it, then go ahead and try to teach it to somebody else, another business owner or something else. And by having to teach somebody else about it, typically that'll help you grow quite a bit. Because if you have to teach something to somebody else, then you have to really understand that topic and that subject. And if you're struggling with some form of accounting or, you know, hey, learn a little bit about accounting, try to teach somebody, teach your kids or someone, and that'll, that'll help quite a bit. Yeah, I think those are those are good tips. Uh, you guys got any last thoughts on, on growth? Last plug? <laughs> last plug. <laughs> I would say raise your price. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> That'll be one of my main takeaways for today. <laughs> How about you, Wes? Oh, I, I can't top that one. I think All right. <laughs> we'll, run so, with, we'll run with Brooks's today. <laughs> well, sounds good. Well, thanks for listening, guys. Go raise your prices and we'll see you next week. <laughs> hey, guys, I hope you enjoyed that conversation on growth. And as always, just trying to pull out a few takeaways for you guys. First one, no brainer. Brooks said it several times raise your prices. And that is always a good way to one, help you work on your systems and two, grow your bottom line. And I think that leads me right into my next takeaway, which was something else that Brooks talked about, which is, man, I wish people would focus a lot more on the bottom line and just trying to grow that by a couple of percentage points rather than being so hyper-focused and obsessed on top line revenue because top line revenue doesn't always solve all of your problems. And so there are other ways that you can grow. And oftentimes you can do less work, be less stressed and be making more money, even if your top line isn't as high. So I think that was a great takeaway. And then the final takeaway is growth starts with you and finding those ways to push yourself out of your comfort zone. So whether that's a mastermind, an industry peer group, uh, audiobook, physical books, uh, conferences, events, uh, podcasts, 
all those things are going to start to internalize new ideas, new knowledge, and ways that you can take yourself and also your business to the next level. So thanks again for listening, guys. Again, this was episode eight of Building a Family Business here on Builder Funnel Radio. We'll see you next week. 